Welcome to the Healthy University Podcast, where we'll be discussing issues of how to be healthier in your life, how to find the solutions to make you a healthier being and live a happier and healthier life. This podcast is brought to you by Bullying Recovery at bullyingrecovery.org. And now your host, Alan Eisenberg. Hi, this is Alan Eisenberg from Healthy University, or Healthy U, as we like to call it. And I'm uh, honored to have my guest today, which is Karen Janes. And Karen Janes is a yoga teacher, a celebrant, life coach, optimist, friend, spiritual enthusiast, motivator, entrepreneur, animal lover, servant of peace, hiker, kayaker, and future mountain climber. That's all from her website. So uh, lofty goals, Karen. But uh, Karen is actually my yoga instructor. I found her through yoga uh, in working on my healing uh, through CPTSD, as I've talked about before. Um, She has a wellness company called Always Yoga in Fairfax, Virginia. And uh, she says she uses yoga everywhere she goes. Uh, She's been all around to islands, high-rise buildings, and even uh, in front of the Women in Congress in Washington, D.C. on Capitol Hill. Um, she believes that, uh, that we can manage stress and live balanced lifestyles through practice and good choices, uh, and holistic living. Uh, I'll let her talk a little bit more about that and how we can overcome the stressful lives that we lead today. And I think for me, that's, that was a big part of what I did. Karen has a background in gymnastics, dance, martial arts, theater, and a brief rock and roll frolic. Maybe we'll hear more about that. Um, and also has her own story that you can read on her blog about how she grew up in the rough streets of Philadelphia and went through her her own journey of healthy living. So I want to welcome Karen to the show. Welcome. Hey, Alan. Thanks for having me. Great. Well, thanks for being here. I, you know, I have gotten so much out of yoga, and I was just looking today, uh, and my newspaper, which comes out on my bullying recovery website, had an article from CNN talking about how they're healing veterans through the use of yoga for their PTSD. And I thought that's just so interesting because that's definitely where I came from uh, and that angle and how it's getting so much press now. Um, can you talk about your experience, how, how you got into yoga and how you really feel it is, it is uh, helping people today? You know... Alan, I didn't find yoga till I was in my 30s, and um, and I hate to tell that story in that way because then it's sort of, you know, people start, you know, it ages me a little bit, right? You can say, okay, well, how old is she if she's been doing yoga this long? But um, I didn't really come into yoga until I was pregnant with my son. Um, I was living in L.A. I was a kickboxing instructor part-time, and I was working in corporate America full-time. Um, I was in was a business law and real estate um, uh, uh, professional in uh, Los Angeles, and um, I was a kickboxing instructor at night. And people, you know, once I get, became pregnant with my son, they were like, "Oh, Karen, you can't really kickbox anymore. You got to go do like yoga or something." And I kind of laughed at them a little bit, and I said, um, "I don't think you really know me. Um, yoga is not really my thing." And uh, I sort of chuckled because. You know, I did grow up in a tough town. I grew up in Philly. Um, you know, I lived in Philly um, through the 70s and the 80s and, and part of the 90s and um, in the city. You know, I'm not really from the surrounding burbs. I'm really from the city. And um, 
I grew up in public schools, and um, my parents were working class, blue-collar people, um, not educated. So we didn't really know anything about yoga. Um, and, you know, it, it was just kind of rough, you know. It, you know, Philadelphia can be a little bit of a, a tough town, and, you know, people give you a lot of hard time. And, um, you know, so you're always sort of on the defensive. And so that's just kind of what my personality was like. I was, you know, kind of edgy, a little little rough. And, um you know, here in my 30s, you know, and in totally a different time and place and certainly environment, I was living in a very nice area of LA, you know, I started taking this yoga class and, you know, it, it just changed me, you know, from the first class, it, it yeah. just, you know, just to lay there, uh, you know, after stretching and moving, you know, and somebody talking really nice to you, like, you know, telling you it's okay and, you know, it's okay to breathe and it's okay to just set and then to lay there and then just in the quiet, hear yourself like from down under, like a little part of yourself that you forgot existed, you know, sort of a yeah. peaceful person. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I don't like to tell people that I came into it in my 40s, but, you know, that, <laughs> that was me. You know, it took me that long. So it's it's funny how I think when we're young, we, you know, we tend to think we're invincible to these things and that. Sure. You know, we don't need them in our lives. And, and I, I think in many ways we we don't we we miss out that that life is supposed to be this enjoyable uh, journey or what I call many journeys, you know, and that it doesn't it doesn't have to matter when it comes to you or when you you find these things uh, that that they they're there to help you. And I think another thing for 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 me was you know, the clash between being a Western religious person and the Eastern, what was seen as sort of that Eastern philosophy of meditation and yoga, and really struggling with that, you know, in a society that, that wasn't really practicing that. I think, you know, we probably grew up about the same time. Yeah. You know, in the 70s and 80s, it was a much, yeah. much more of a me society and, and less about, you know, I think, taking care of our society. So, so I, I just wonder, you know, what, what, when you found it and, and, and you discovered it, how did you decide that you were going to, to actually move into becoming a yoga teacher and try to bring that to others? And how have, how have you made that a success? You know, um, that's a great question. Um, you know, when I came into yoga, I kind of did it, you know, sort of through my pregnancy and trying to managing, you know, that change in my life. And, um, and it just kind of brought out some um, sort of stored, um, filed back sort of um, expressions that I used to have as a kid that are really, you know, kind of about wonderment, um, the expressions of spirituality. I mean, I like you, I grew up in Western faith, you know, um, uh, I grew up, uh, I have a very interesting um, spiritual path. I was baptized Catholic, I was raised Presbyterian, and I hung out with a lot of Jews. <laughs> so, so, and I dated a Jewish guy for five years, and I think his uh, grandmother had hoped that I'd convert. But, um, <laughs> so, I mean, I grew up with so many faiths, um, important. In fact, you know, we're really, I think of, you know, my children and I, we, we, even though our tradition was Christianity, we really do celebrate so many faiths here. We even light Hanukkah candles. I mean, so we really express, you know, the connection of all faiths. And I think that my growing up and my um, sort of exposure to at least the the Western sort of faith, you know, the Catholic, the Christian, and the Judaism, 
sort of opened up my eyes, being able to accept those three, you know, in my mm-hmm. life and just appreciating those really helped me to understand a little more the Eastern. But that didn't come right away. That's not why I did yoga. I did yoga because it was a great workout. I mean, I don't don't get me wrong. I'm probably one of the most spiritual yoga teachers you'll ever find when it comes to hanging out in a gym. Because in one hour of class, I can probably touch in, your inward spirituality before anybody else does. But I came into it to get a good workout. I came into it because it was a really great physical practice, and I felt like I was getting, you know, that experience because I'm a really physical person. But somewhere on my mat along the way, it caught up to me. That spirituality caught up to me. It exposed some inner um, sort of intuitive um, expressions that I had. Um, it just it awakened, you know, sort of the inner divine in me. And um, and I'm so, and I'm an insatiable learner. So I would investigate it. I would learn it. And I love the language of Sanskrit. I love the stories of of religion. I mean, you think about. In, 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 and you can study any, you can be in any faith and practice yoga because I think where yoga finds you spiritually is where you are spiritually. You don't have to be Indian. You don't have to study Eastern philosophies. You know, wherever you are, wherever your faith is, whatever that sort of inner kind of connection that you have, whether it's traditional or something that you've chosen, it, yoga will find you where you are at the moment that you are and it'll grow with you where you go. And I think that's what's so beautiful. And I think that's what drew me in. And I think at some point, I just said, heck with it. I'm never going back to corporate. I, you know, had a daughter. Um, I went through a divorce. Um, and then I needed to work. And I, you know, I became a train. A teacher told me, you know, asked me, hey, Karen, you should teach yoga. And I was, you know, very um, sort of taken back by her asking me because I felt very much an infant in the practice at, at that point. I was only practicing for so many years. And I felt like I don't think I even have the ability to teach. I don't know enough about it to teach it. But it took me four years to go through my training. I had little little babies. I had toddlers. Um, I went through a divorce and um, started working and doing it. And I've never gone back. I mean, I feel like it's my purpose. And I never would have imagined that in my 20s, that I would have been a yoga teacher. So Yeah. And I, I think, you know, that's, that's a similar story uh, for a lot of us is that we we find things. I, I had just read this really, really interesting thing on Facebook of all places that there's a new term now. So there's extroverts, there's introverts, and there's, I think it's ultraverts. Uh-huh. And ultraverts are sometimes extroverted and sometimes introverted. And, you know, then there's this middle ground. You know, so so I, I love that because I've well, always yeah. felt like that's me, you know, like I'm very extroverted, but then I get tired of being extroverted and I need time for me. I think what they call that, and I've I've seen it used as this term also, which is an ambivert. Oh, ambivert. You yes, know what? you're an, right. Yeah. Yeah, and an ambivert, and I think I'm very much that. I mean, an ambivert, is, an extrovert is a person who draws our energy from outer, you know, surroundings, you know, from people and things being exposed. An introvert is someone who draws their energy inwardly, you know, from quietness or you know, being kind of by themselves, sort of recharging, like you would turn down your computer and turn it off. That would be drawing your energy. Someone who is an extrovert would be somebody who um, kind of goes online and draws energy from, you know, the internet. Do you know what I'm saying? If you were yeah. like a system, an ambivert is somebody who can draw their energy either way, you know, from being, you know, externally uh, driven in that energy or internally, and it just depends. You right. know, it just depends. It depends on the type of energy. It te- it depends on, you know, 
you know, there's days when you have a lot of energy, days you're tired. We're in a new moon right now. You know, the new yeah. moon kind of drains us a little bit. So ambiverts, you know, are very much, um, I would say, are very sensitive people because ambiverts are people who can draw from nature or draw from their surroundings and either be drawn into that energy that's around them or if the energy around them is kind of low and, and kind of moving more internally, then they can also draw their energy that way too. So I think people who are, tend to be very intuitive, mm -hmm. people who are very sensitive, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, sensitive, um, you know, in a sort of um, kind of psychic way and or emotionally, yeah, you know, yeah. those people tend to be pretty ambivert because they're very affected, affected mm -hmm. by what's around them. And, and I think you're a lot like that. And yeah, I think that's totally me. And then that's that's where I wasn't getting the the quiet. Like in my life, you know, I always thought I had to be busy because I I felt like I was an extrovert. But then, you know, when I went on vacation, I would read a book. That was the only time I would ever read a book. Mm -hmm. And it's like when I have this downtime, you know, when I actually there's nothing to do. I'm on the beach. And I'm reading a book and I'm like, I'm enjoy, I enjoyed that time, yeah. but I wasn't really realizing the need. And so what, what fascinates me about yoga and particularly on the health side is how it does make you sweat. I mean, it is a workout, it, you know, even, even at the vinyasa class, which I, I would assume would be more of the quiet yoga, what they would call quiet, you know, and, and then that ending where you're, you're just gonna relax you're going to go into the you know the corpse pose or or, or and you and you you know I, I it took me a while and and I worked with meditation as well um to find that you can shut your mind off that that it's possible to do and allow yourself just to be in the now you know yeah. and I think that's that's the magic was you know we, we are we're always thinking either of things that happened to us in the past and that haunts us, or we're worried about what? You know, what am I going to make for dinner tonight? What's yeah. what's the future? And and sure. we're not giving time for us at this moment. So how you know how do you see that from a health standpoint, from a uh, importance you know for the for the people you work with? Oh, it's huge! It's huge because if your mind is constantly going, whether it's it's going because you're working. You know, if you're always in work mode, you know, even if you love your job, which I totally love my job, and I joke to my kids that my company's name is Always Working, mm -hmm. you know, always, because I am. I, I mean, I am always working. On, but I love what I do. But even still, when you love what you do, you know, you have to find time to to shut down and turn it off. And, and it's not natural for a lot of people. I mean, if you're type A, you know, or... Mm -hmm. You know, which, you know, here we are in, you know, a, you know, metro D.C. area. We're in the, you know, capital of the country. We have very type A people doing very type A jobs. And, um, you know, that's just sort of the nature of, of their businesses. And then it becomes their sort of nature because if they're not on and doing it, then somebody else is going to do it for them. And that's, you know, there's fear in that. So that's not a good place. You're constantly in a in a your parasympathetic mode, which is fight or flight. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, what happens in the body, I mean, this is science, this is, this is, you know, anatomy, you know, your 
brain, your neurological functions are always in this fight or flight. And when that happens, you have hormones that are secreting like cortisol, which is a stress hormone. And these are things like when we were, you know, hunters and gatherers, you know, in tribal sort of communities, when we weren't, you know, more civilized like we think we are now, you know, we needed that because you needed to be able to turn on that fight or flight because if you were hunting or being hunted down, you needed to be able to trigger that. And that was really necessary. Nowadays, you know, we're not really using it that way. And so it, be it becomes very imbalanced and it causes a lot of problems in our bodies. You know, excess cortisol in our mm -hmm. body, it, you know, causes inflammation. And inflammation in our body turns to um, chronic conditions and pains and, um, and issues. And when cortisol is flowing big time, we also have serotonin, which is sort of that chill. It's sort of that ah, oh, take a deep breath and it's that exhale. Like if, if cortisol was the inhale, serotonin is the exhale, and that exhale releases. If you have cortisol flowing, then that serotonin, which is sort of a relaxant hormone that comes into your body, like it doesn't, it, it won't come out. And then you, you won't be able to relax. It's hard on the heart. Yeah. It's hard on the blood pressure. I mean, it's hard on, you know, think about the muscles and what happens when you get stressed out or if you got scared or something, you know, you tense up, your your teeth clench, your shoulders hunch. I mean, it affects us physically everywhere. And to live in that all the time and not be able to sit back like on the beach, like you said, and open that book and chill, you know, yeah. that's going to be an incredible detriment um, to our life in the short term and chronic conditions, but also in the long term on lifespan. Well, you know, you're preaching to the choir because I came to yoga because I was in constant fight or flight, not sleeping, full of anxiety, you know, all, all, all the things that, that, that you're talking about yeah. were me. And, and they were based in the fact that, that I had, you know, let all of these things get in me, really. You know, I, I, I felt poisoned, I think, by mm -hmm. my life. And, and I think we're going to take a little break here. And when we come back, I'd like to talk more about that, about how you know, we, we need to find these balances. And, and I think that a lot of people think, you know, if I don't do this all the time, or if I do this all the time, you know, there's, there's always a balance, right? So when we come back, let's talk a little bit more about that and, and about what you've been doing uh, to even further that through uh, your other work uh, and, and, in uh, mindfulness areas. So uh, thank you. This is uh, Healthy University, and we'll be right back right after this. Deep in a dark hole in the recesses of his mind, Alan tried to bury all the bad memories of the bullying that happened to him. But memories can't be buried and he would be haunted by his youth and these memories for a very long time to come. Then he must confront and come to terms with his own youth and the things that happened to him. Find out what Alan didn't want to remember. Read A Ladder in the Dark, My Journey from Bullying to Self-Acceptance. Available now at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most major book retail outlets. Hi, welcome back uh, to Healthy University with Alan Eisenberg and my guest Karen Janes from Always Yoga. Uh, we're talking about 
things like mindfulness and about how life is really messy over the break. Karen and I were talking about how life is messy. And I always think about the John Lennon quote that uh, I love so much where he says, you know, life is what happens when you're making other plans. And, and that idea that you really don't have control uh, over your life. Things are going to happen. And so, Karen, do you want, you want to just talk about what you were talking about with me about how, you know, we need to accept that that, that is life? You know, I, we were sharing stories and we were talking about how we enjoy stories and we all have stories. And, um, you know, on my website, on my blog, I talk about how yoga, you know, changed this gritty city girl, you know, into um, sort of a peaceful soul. And, you know, that that's really key. You know, I think that life is is doling it out in different ways for all of us. We all have stories to tell and experiences, whether it's, um, you know, friends that we had trouble with or family members or, you know, anything in between teachers, um, you know, strangers. I mean, we're coming across a lot of human conditions and experiences. And I think that, you know, when we come to the realization that that's kind of what life is about, life's about the experience of all these things. And what we do with it is who we are, um, who we decide to be, and then who we become. And I think that's huge. And that's where kind of that mindfulness comes in is, you know, I am aware, I am experiencing, and I am choosing. And, um, and that's a big deal. And that, I think, you know, for me, when I get on my mat, you know, that is sort of my sort of sacred ground, you know, that's where I get to practice who I am, who I, who I realize that I am and who I seek and, and inspire to be. And that's, you know, kind of my training ground. That's kind of my, I don't know, my, my grounding and my centering so I can grow from there. And I, and I think that that's, you know, where I come from too is, you know, what, what I was scared about, uh, back when, when I was having my issues, you know, one of the things I had read that was so interesting is that you start to tell yourself, you know, that your body is doing this. We were talking about fight or flight earlier in the program. Mm -hmm. And at some point, if you can separate and say, oh, my body's reacting this way. And if you can get your brain to just understand that your body's doing this, even though your brain is really in control. But if you can start to separate that out and look at it as a third person, uh, you get this effectiveness. And I feel that way, you know, with yoga where, you know, the, the practice is the position, and but but really you're trying to stay separated in my mind, like, okay, my body is can do this today or it can't do this today, but not to not to absorb a problem with that. Mm, you know, yeah, just, you know just to accept it. I, I see yoga like I see yoga as an incredible metaphor for all of life. You know, the physical practice, the mindfulness attached to the physical practice, and then you know, sort of the essence of your spirit that shows up, you know, when you're on the mat and you're moving into a pose, you know, there are days when you are just, you know, raring to go, you know, every pose just transitions and sets correctly and you feel, you know, comfortable and you feel strong in it. And then, you know, the transition to the next place seems to flow well and, and you feel really, um, you know, kind of, um, you know, Zen, you know, you feel just, you know, kind of, balanced in all places of your practice then there are days you put your foot down and it, nothing feels right you know it it just you're like it's just yeah. not balancing it's just not setting and 
I think, you know, it's a metaphor for life. And I think what yoga says and good teachers say um, as you're practicing is, you know, being in the now, you know, my mantra on the mat and has become in life is just because you can doesn't mean you always should. I mean, I could stand, I can stand on my head, I can do all kinds of crazy poses, but there's not every day that I can do that. And there's not every day that I should. And I think that that's a great metaphor for life, you know, and in accepting ourselves in that moment, how we are. I think, you know, that's a very powerful statement. And I think that's the hardest thing is, you know, I have family members who, you know, go through years and years and years of therapy or, or whatever, but they've never accepted you know, what they are or who they are. They, you know, everything is, is external. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I talk about that a lot where, you know, you, you have to at some point, you know, like for me where it was about bullying, that, that was external. My mm-hmm. reaction to it was was internal. Totally, yeah. And, and so that idea of teaching yourself how to internally find peace or, or, or acceptance and, and yoga somehow connect to me. Yeah. Um, and, and that idea that you, you have to practice it. You know, the one thing I, I love about yoga and meditation or really any mindfulness is it's never called uh, a perfection. You don't get a black belt in yoga or, or anything. It's yeah. a practice at all times. And it's like you said, we're just always practicing. Always practicing. And, you know, there's a really great quote that um, says that yoga is an inside job, the rest is just a circus. (laughs) And it's true because, you know, yoga really is an inside job. You know, you're on your mat and, um, you know, you're in there kind of working on you and, you know, you're encouraged to let go of expectations, let go of competition and judgment, you know, of yourself and everybody around you. And, you know, those are good cues for you to really get you know, more internalized, you know, you go through a class, like a typical vinyasa or flowing class, you know, can be very powerful in the beginning. You're working hard, working hard till you kind of dim it down towards the end, you know, kind of cooling it down, kind of taking it lower each time, all the way down to that sort of corpse pose or shavasana, where you have finally exhausted all the distractions that the day or the month or, you know, years have given you so that you can actually purge it and sit on that mat and be still. Even if for one breath you don't have a thought in your head, you've succeeded that day in yoga. Just just those basic, you know, without huge goals to set for yourself. It doesn't mean you can't have great goals and expectations for growth in your life, but just one baby step at a time, you know? Yeah. And I think that's that's what we, we learn over time. You know, I think that's why a lot of adults, you know, find it late. You know, it's like over time we realize, you know what, uh, you know, everything starts moving very fast and I've got to start cutting it up into little pieces or I'll never, you know, figure out, figure it out. I, I know you get to work with with children, too, don't you, when you do yoga? I do. I... And, and how do, what do you find to be the difference? Like, how do you how do you think that that? That's a, a a difference with the children you work with and with the adults. Uh, it's, it's huge. I you know like I have right now um, one of my classes that I that I do. I work at an elementary school and I have a Friday morning yoga club. And so on Friday mornings, um, my my group comes in at seven forty five in the morning. It's an elementary school group between like third grade and sixth grade, and um, they come in and spend a little less than an hour with me. And we and we work on mindfulness practices, you know, talk and mindfulness. I mean, being present, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like 
where are you right now and how are you feeling in this now moment? That's sort of what I feel about being mindful, you know, just being present. And and I'll be honest with you, kids are awesome at it. They're awesome at being present. You know, they only lived, you know, most kids have lived, you know, you know, only so much of life. They're much better naturally. And they're like sponges, you know, they don't have any, anything that blocks them from, from wanting to do it. Luckily, and in, and you would hope in most cases, they're, you know, still innocent, you know, they haven't, you know, been traumatized by life's experiences or people or whatever. But even still, they tend to be unless prompted out of it, they tend to be really good at being in the now. When I ask them, when you're quiet, and I've asked them this question, when you are quiet, and, um, you know, nobody's asking you anything, what do you think about? And they're fun. They say, like, you know, I think about rainbows and unicorns. They think of, like, really fun fantasy things. Or, you know, they're not really thinking about anything. And I told them that usually when their parents aren't thinking about I said, ask your parents. What, when, when they're looking like they're not doing anything, ask them what they're thinking about. And I told them, guaranteed, they're thinking about yesterday, an hour ago, or tomorrow, or two days from now. Yeah. At least somewhere in the past or somewhere in the future. And kids are really good at... And we can learn a lot from them at being very present. You know, look at a toddler. I teach three and four-year-olds too. Look at like a little preschooler. They are so engaged in the moment that when you ask them to move out of the moment, we're training them in school. I mean, it's almost kind of, it's it's almost horrifying <laughs> when we put them in school <laughs> no. and we train them out of being in the moment and say, oh, no, no, we're doing this now. And you're taking them out of their sort of natural kind of wonder and play and experience. And so, um, you know, we have to retrain adults to be more like children. Right, right, yeah. It's and kind it, of funny. And it's funny, too, because, you know, I, I use a mindfulness app that or a meditation app that I really like. And, you know, when you talk about rainbows or, like, climbing a big mountain or all these things that the kids are probably telling you, would be fun. That's what they're telling you through these guided meditations. It's like, imagine you're, you know, at the beach or in the climbing a giant mountain and, you know, you meet this guy along the way and he, I always laugh at it. It's totally, it sounds like children's stories, but it it really is. And because that's what their head's like. Right. It's, it's beautiful. And, um, you know, you know, in some, I get so much from them teaching them and, um, and I and it's been it's a really hot mindfulness is hot right now. Everybody's doing it. Companies are doing it. Schools are pulling it in. It's in the post every third Thursday. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's you know everybody's talking about it. Um, there's a really great book called How to Train a Wild Elephant. Hmm. I don't have the author's name. I apologize for that. But what a fabulous book! And so it goes in. Uh, there's 52 chapters, and um, every chapter is related to a week of the year. And so it has different practices like brushing your teeth with your left hand, um, paying attention to your temperature in the room, and learning to take away suffering and our inner dialogue and being present and, and being mindful. And yeah. uh, so, so, it's, so it's Jan Chosen Bays. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I, I just went to, yeah, I went to yeah, Amazon real quick, and there yeah. it is. Yeah, how cool. Yeah, really fun. Um, so that's, you know, th- there's some great exercises, but I think what it is, is, is practice, you know, mm-hmm. just like yoga, Alan, you know, these things, y- you need to make a habit. It's about life, 
um, style, you know, life, you know, making life changes and, and creating a, a lifestyle that's healthy. You know, you have to intend it and then you have to choose it. And that means like, you know, whether you find a yoga class and you actually come, you know, and sometimes people, and I'm not busting on you because I know you're there, <laughs> yeah. but, 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 but sometimes, you know, things happen, but being committed to it, you know what I mean? And, and I know that you are and, you know, committing to something or making a new habit of, you know, getting up 15 minutes before, you know, you normally would just to sit up in your room, on the floor, and just try to clear your mind. And if nothing else, just follow your breathing. And that, you know, that's what breathing techniques are about, is trying to keep you present because the mind wants to wander. It's, you know, it, it wants to be busy. We've trained it so well that way. Well, and it's so funny that you mentioned that, and I'll, I'll kind of leave on this note, but um, how, like, there was one point where I, I moved really close to work, and I actually hated it because yeah. <laughs> I didn't have that time to myself in the car. I think, you yeah. know, some, sometimes we get these really great enjoyments when we're just with ourselves in the car and listening to our music or people sing along or do crazy things in the car by themselves, of course. Right. But, but I really missed that. I really missed the me time. And so what I, you know, what I've realized now as an adult is I need my me time. You know, my kids got older and I was able to get it back, you know, where you know, it's tough. It's it's tough to do, but you're right. It does. You know what I what I always tell people, and I just talk to some kids. You we're not talking about a lot of time. You know, I go to yoga once a week for an hour. Mm -hmm. I meditate ten minutes a day, maybe, and not every day. And mm -hmm. it's you know just by doing these few things, I can. I've I've you know I, I don't want to say cure because I I really don't like that word. Mm -hmm. But but I you know I feel so much better about myself. You know, I just think you you gain sort of a better perspective. You know, it's it. You know, we don't want to talk about curing because that means there's something that needed to be cured. And I think it really is is just coming to a more balanced perspective of our whole life as a whole. You know, coming away from um, you know the zooming in. You know, zooming out. I think Jefferson has this really neat um, quote about you know really to get a perspective on things. One needs to step back and above and look. And I think that that's what meditation and, and mindfulness allows us to do is to kind of gain distance from our every day and every moment by just being present and still. And, um, you know, whether, you know, there's, there's lots of techniques and practices, you know, like your drive time is huge, you know. And when people have a hard time being quiet, I usually recommend, you know, praying. And I don't mean like, you know, praying some, you know, a rosary or praying like a, you know, a prayer in specific, like your Baroque Atelier, I don't know, and like not going into specific, um, you know, chanting prayers that are, um, you know, rituals, but more like, I'm thankful for this. You know, mm -hmm. today, I'm grateful for this. My health is wonderful. You know, just coming into those, you know, moments of just the, the counting the small things in your life that your blessings and noticing them. And that helps us come into mindfulness, helps us come into silence, helps us come into stillness. I would just recommend that to people is if they have a hard time quieting the dialogue. That's great. You know, and, and I don't know if you knew it or not, but I keep a gratitude journal and three things I'm thankful for every day before I you go know, to bed. I and, have one of those too. I and have that's, you know, it makes all the difference because, you know, everybody comes home or, or does Oh, today sucked, but you, there's, there's good in every day. And so if you force yourself to think of it, you know, okay, well this, this went well today or you Absolutely. Know, then, Absolutely. then you can let that quiet, that 
that other dialogue that's happening. Especially but, even if the day is, you're grateful that the day is done. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Or, or just, you know, I always say, if it's nothing else, thanks for waking me up today. Thanks yeah. for letting me breathe today. You know, it, just, it doesn't have to be. Sometimes I just write quick things and sometimes they're lengthy, right? You know, so, yeah, I know what I'll write tonight. So yeah. I, I really thank you for being a guest on the show and thanks, for helping Sarah. us understand, you know, really more about yoga and mindfulness. And I think really about how we can live better with ourselves, which which is really what I think in, in my mind uh, we, we need to learn to do or we, we need to spend time thinking about doing. Um, so I appreciate everything. Again, it's uh, Karen Janes. I don't know. Do you want to go ahead and give a plug for your, your uh, business? Yeah, you know, um, uh, Always Yoga, A-L-L-W-A-Y-S. And my website is uh, www.alwaysyoga.com. Um, you can find me on Facebook at Always Yoga or uh, Karen Janes. Um, I'm on Twitter. Um, and I'm also on Instagram. I'm KJ Yogini. Um, so, you know, just find me or just Google me and, um, I love what I do and I'm open for all, always for conversation, uh, when it regards, uh, yoga and wellness and sustainability and just, you know, overall wellness that, you know, in our, in our person, in our life. So thank you, Alan. It's been my pleasure. Yes. Well, I'm lucky enough to give you two thanks. One for, for being, uh, a mentor and teacher for me who, who helps me get through my life. And for doing the show with me today, uh, I think, you know, we, there's a lot of good to be done in the world. And there are so many good people that we tend to forget about that sometimes. And and I, I'm really grateful to have you in my life and, and to be able to uh, to have these conversations where we can uh, share that with others. So I appreciate it. Thanks for being on Healthy University. Thanks, Alan. Namaste. Okay, namaste. You have been listening to Healthy University. This podcast is brought to you by Bullying Recovery, LLC. You can visit their website at bullyingrecovery.org or their Facebook page at Bullying Recovery or Twitter feed at BullyingLPE. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Healthy University.